What is up, Internet? Welcome to the Self-Defense from All Angles podcast, the podcast where we try to expand the conversation around self-defense. My name is Randy King. I'm the owner of 8020 Conflict Management Strategies. This week, we are talking with Andy Murphy from the Secure Dad podcast about digital security. In this episode, we discuss a ton of topics, including being aware that everyone can be a victim when it comes to cybercrime, how to be a good digital citizen, is your phone actually listening to you, and how to manage your data, as well as we talk pretty deeply on something called data brokers. And if you're not aware of what those are, it's a very fascinating industry that you might want to be aware of to protect your information online. And don't forget, as always, we have a Patreon portion with Andy, where he goes over his one up story. So once this episode is over, go over to patreon.com slash Randy King live and listen to Andy tell us a story where he helped protect his father in law from a potential scam and the whole craziness that ensued from the father in law not even believing that there was a scam happening and how Andy had to both de escalate and educate his father in law on what was happening. If you your organization or company is looking for more information surrounding proactive self defense in order to improve the safety and quality of your workplace you can get a hold of us at 8020 Conflict Management Strategies for workshops, keynote speeches, or any other training that may help you and your people stay safe. Now let's get to the show. What is up, Internet? Another episode of Self-Defense from All Angles. This week, we have my friend on the show, Andy from The Secure Dad. Eddie Murphy from The Secure Dad. Andy, how are you? I'm good, sir. It is good to be talking with you again. Yeah, it's been a while. I have a book coming out, so I'll be pressuring you for the book tour podcast. Yes, absolutely. You will be on. You're on. You're on just right now. You're good. Thank you. Uh, I really enjoy our conversations. Your show was great. We were just talking about your almost 200 episodes. That's super impressive for a podcast. So with all that said, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Andy Murphy. I started the Secure Dad back in 2016. I started the Secure Dad podcast in 2018, where I have awesome guests like Randy King on my show, who comes and educates me and my audience of protector parents. And my job as the Secure Dad is to help parents better take care of their families. So not only to help them live more secure, more protected life, but to live a safer, happier life, because that's the goal of, I think, what you and I try to do every day. Yeah. We want to help people live the best life they can safely. Exactly. Nailed it. I totally agree. So, Andy, what is your definition of self-defense? That's the point of this show, right? It's called Self-Defense from All Angles because everybody has a different definition. So what's yours? So self-defense to me is the mental, physical, and emotional skills needed to take care of yourself. And I will tell you, when you came on my show and you talked about boundaries and how important that was, that rewrote how I did almost everything when it comes to self-defense, because I started thinking about those mental and those physical and those emotional boundaries that people can cross in your life. And so I went from thinking that self-defense was within arm's reach, which was, you know, punching distance to expanding it even further for what it was for me personally. Now, of course, I love situational awareness and being able to see things, but I was able to cast my net out further to understand what self-defense really means and how soon I can really start to act to defend myself because I'm not thinking at this 
close. I'm thinking far out. Awesome. If I can even reach one person, then all this isn't a giant waste of time. So uh, you reached me, sir. (laughs) Well, I'm glad it uh, it made such a difference. So Andy, what is it you wish people knew a little bit more about when it comes to self-defense? Everybody needs to know how to be able to defend themselves. Anybody can be the target of a crime, even you and me. You know, I've written a book on home security. Somebody could break into my house tonight. That doesn't make me, you know, exempt from that happening. Mm -hmm. So everybody needs to know that they could be the victim and the target of a crime. When people start to realize, oh, wait, something bad could happen to me. That's when they start to really take note. And that's when they really start to make changes in their lives. Because when you look at the situation and people live in a bubble where they think, oh, man, I'm going to go to Target today. Then I'm going to go pick up lunch. And then, you know, I've got a call at three o'clock, that sort of thing. And they're like, well, this is my day. This is all that could happen. The only thing that could happen is what I imagine could happen. And I'm going to imagine that I'm not going to be a victim of a crime. And so I tell people all the time, hey, go look at your local news station. Look at the stories. None of those people woke up that morning and thought they were going to be a victim of a crime. They were just like you. They got up and they thought, there's my list of things I got to do today. So I'm going to go do it. And being a target is not something that's on my radar. So it's really trying to help people understand that, yeah, bad things could happen to you, even though you're a good person. So let's make sure that you're prepared for that moment. That is such an excellent point. And because I teach like all aspects of self-defense, as you know. So one of the things I focus on is victim blaming. And that's one of the areas where victim Mm -hmm. blaming comes from is, oh, I would never act like that. So that would never happen to me, right? Which is just untrue across the board. What I really want to talk to you about today is digital and online security. I know you're focusing a lot Mm -hmm. on this right now. And I think this is one of the areas that's taking a long time for people to uptick to as an area of self-defense because they feel the anonymity of the internet internet protects them and it absolutely doesn't. There's a cool new Netflix documentary all about, it's like called the web of lies or something, all about mm-hmm. cyber crimes and all the crazes that's happening and all the extreme cases. It's really, really cool. What is your thoughts on this? What is your take? And what do you think people should know when it comes to online security? Because what I like about you is you're not a fear monger type, right? You're a realistic guy. You're like, okay, hey, like obviously you're not going to not be on social media. That's ridiculous. So what right. can people do? Like what would be some tips? Sure. So what we need to understand is like, you know, Randy, you and I, we are thankfully, and I say this, thankfully, we are older than the internet. We did not grow up with this in our household. This is like a new thing to us. But like my son was a digital citizen for the moment that he was born. You know, he had the little digital tag on his, you know, little bracelet in the hospital. His picture was taken and social media was a thing, you know, the day he was born. What do you mean by digital citizen? Like, could you walk that out for the listeners? Sure. Yeah, this is something. And this this was one of these epiphany moments where we have a life in in reality. And we have a digital life as well. And we'll talk about protecting that digital life. One of my son's teachers explained this during COVID when he was learning on a laptop here. And so she was like a digital citizen is somebody it's how you interact and how you portray yourself online. That is you as a digital citizen. And it became very clear to me that folks like us who grew up with, you know, thinking that the internet was anonymous, it's not really anymore. And so we are digital citizens now. And I feel that as parents, we need to tell our kids they need to be who they are in person, just the same as they are online. So you can't necessarily, if you're a nice person in real life, you need to be a nice person online as well, because everything you say and do online is tracked. 
I mean, right. you know, all those text conversations are still there. All the posts that you've ever made to Facebook are still there. Even though you've deleted them off of your wall, they're still on a server somewhere associated with your account number. And we don't know what's going to happen to that information one day when Facebook folds. Uh, you know, it's probably not going to be anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But what's going to happen to all that data? One right. day, I think it's going to be released and people can search through and see what it is. So we have a life in reality and we have a life online. And that's what a digital citizen is. And also, I think what people forget is like everybody always wonders why like these celebrities are getting caught by these tweets. There's also people that run web crawlers that snap pictures right before they're deleted. So mm -hmm. maybe the more famous you get, if you said something off color, right? Like that could be there. Yeah. So how we present ourselves online has to really be the start of how everything is done. Now we'll talk about social media real quick. You know, you don't want to say or do anything online that is going to embarrass you, that is going to get you in trouble with your boss, that's going to get you in trouble with your wife. But a lot of people, speaking of Twitter, don't realize is that I get notified of things that my followers like. And sometimes I get some really sketchy stuff in my timeline <laughs> that didn't come from me. It came from somebody else liking something. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's different. That's where that's where like politicians and stuff like that can get in trouble. So you really have to be conscious of how you act online and how that's going to follow you into the real world because you don't want to come across as somebody that you're not or you're going to like or retweet something that is not going to jive with your office workplace and the community that's trying to be built there because that can be grounds for being terminated depending on what company you work for. That's one of the things you have to look out for. Then there is data. <laughs> brokers who are, you know, getting all sorts of information from us, from every site that we go to, everything that we click on, every ad that is served to us. And that's a whole podcast well within itself. So we need to take steps to understand how this works and how we can protect ourselves. We can use VPNs. We can use services like Delete Me that will go and delete our information from data brokers because they have to delete it. I'm not sure exactly what the laws are in Canada and the US. I'm a little bit more fluent in those, but those are the types of things that we need to watch out for. That's what our digital life is. And I hate to say it as much as it really bothers me the older I get and you know, the, the more my son grows up, it's going to be here for a while and it ain't going anywhere. I agree. I think one of the things that you pointed out there that really we should put a spotlight on is that no matter how much Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, I'm on all of it. So how matter mm -hmm. all of me these too. things say they're protecting your privacy, the number one purpose of the app is for you to be on it more. So yeah. when they're showing you what your friends like, they're under the assumption you will also like that thing, not knowing mm -hmm. that your friends might be into some stuff that maybe you're not particularly into, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's something such a thought process that was hard for me to get around was, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. like I can like this stuff and do this, but it doesn't matter. Example, TikTok has this thing where you can look at the person's posts or you can look at what the person liked. And so mm -hmm. there was this whole thing on TikTok for a little bit because me and my daughter have a TikTok channel at Defense Talks with mm -hmm. that. So I'm learning about that. And mm -hmm. this one guy was like, you know, trolling a bunch of people. And then they went to his likes. It was like all just underaged girls. And they're like, should we tell him that like we can see what they like, but they assume there's this anonymity and there isn't yeah, because the design right. is be on the app as long as possible. The design is not protect your information. Right. Well, here's a funny thing. I shared this on another show. I finally joined Reddit. I was on Reddit for about three days and then I had to delete the app off my phone. I have come back since then because I chose startup because I wanted to take a look at, there's some really good threads on digital security and also home security. Right. And I get to see information there and stories that I normally would have to really dig for to find. So I wanted to join for that. And so when I chose my username, it, you know, one of the first things that pops up is, oh, here are other people
cool to have the same username. You might want to be their friends. So the first guy that I clicked on had curated quite a collection of footage from inside schools during shootings oh God. and not for educational purposes. And so I was on that page for maybe 30 seconds before I realized what was going on. And I'm like, I don't want this. I don't want to be associated with this person. That's those kind of creepy things that you always hear the stories about that oh, there's these people out there. Well, I can confirm that, that yes, they are out there. Yeah. I also know from other ways, but that kind of broke a boundary with me. That was a digital boundary that was broken there. Cause I'm like, I don't want to deal with this stuff. And I don't want my new account that I just started to be associated with this right. either. Yeah. So those those are the things you got to think about. So I've since come back to Reddit to look at it every once in a while, but also to be very cautious when I'm there about just some of the weird stuff that can be there. Yeah. Reddit is a very interesting place. I'm on there as well, but not at, in a marketing way at all. Just as exactly right. like you said, right. A research way, right. Because right. Reddit finds stuff faster than almost anything, maybe 4chan yes. faster, but I don't want to go to 4chan. That's too much for me. So yes, uh, yes. Reddit is, seems to be like the medium kind of check it out but you're right like you can find just the amount of research and time and digging through google would take to find the stuff that's put up there yeah. is insane and you can find a thread for anything which is also a problem so what are some ways we can become a better digital citizen what are some ways that we other than like paying attention to what you look at and share like what else can we do one of the things that we need to do is try to take ownership of our digital data right. and that can be done by making sure that you are choosing strong passwords so that you can't get hacked. It is also doing things like making sure that you log out of sites when you're done with them, or you terminate a social media profile when you're done with it. But another thing to do is when, let's say we go to Amazon, this is a, this is a hilarious tweet. I will murder this in this thing, but it was a tweet so somebody said, hey, dear Amazon, I bought a toilet seat from you, but I keep seeing ads all over the internet and I'm not a toilet seat connoisseur. I just wanted a toilet seat to be done with it. And so we start <laughs> to see that the things that we click on go from site to site to site. And it's like, okay, so how do, how do I deal with this? How do I make sure that I have some sort of privacy? Because big, as you said earlier, big big companies, they don't care about our privacy. We are the currency on Facebook and Instagram. It's right. our, our thoughts and all that sort of stuff. And it's our dollars. So how do we do that? And one of the things that I use for me and my house is a VPN. And the, what that will do, that will alternate my IP address. And it's right. just simply because I don't want Amazon knowing where to put all of these ads or get, learning more about me. I just think that that freaks me out just a little bit. There are people out there who do like to have those types of ads served to them. Right. I am not one of them because every once in a while, I, you know, I get a friend who's like, oh, I was just talking with somebody about toothpaste and now toothpaste ads are all over my phone because they're listening to my phone. They're not listening to our phones. It's much easier to track your data and your clicks online than it is to monitor your phone and go through all that sort of stuff. We're just giving this information away for free. Another thing that we need to do to help manage our data is to clear our names off of data brokers. I had uh, Rob Chevelle, who is the co-founder of Delete Me. And so what his company does is all these data brokers technically have to let you out of their system. So what they do is they figure out how all that's done. You pay them a fee and they go take you out of all of these data brokers. And I used to think that, oh, just because like whitepages.com, that's a big one. And so I used to think, oh, if I personally went in and I sent these guys an email and said, I want to be out of whitepages.com, but that was, that meant I was done forever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. When your data is served somewhere else and it's purchased by white pages again, they can put it back on there. And so you, it's whack-a-mole 
with your own personal data. And I don't have the time to sit down and go and do that. So I, I choose to budget my family's dollars towards keeping that sort of information off the internet. Plus it keeps you from being able to be found by like, you know, crazy folks from high school who think, you know, you owe the money and all that sort of weird (laughs) stuff. So it just gives you privacy because it used to be if somebody wanted to know where you lived, they would just look in the phone book. And if you could say, Hey, I don't want to be listed in the phone book. People couldn't find you, (laughs) you know, it was that simple. And I missed those days and I don't want my kid to be monetized for his entire digital life either. So that's why I'm taking these steps. That makes sense. I think going back to the original point, right? Which is if you don't pay for the product, you are the product. That's a really good way Mm -hmm. to look at it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about these digital data brokers. Who are they? What do they do? What is their purpose? Okay. So they are companies that focus on buying data from your bank, from the U.S. government. The government also buys it, at least in the United States. (laughs) It's funny, in the U.S., these data brokers, they come up with all this information and they put it out there for anybody to purchase. So you could look up Randy King. Please do, everyone. Look up Randy King. Yeah, please do look up Randy King. Please do that as much as possible. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Just just to say here, please leave Randy alone. But just as an example, (laughs) you know, you could find out where Randy lives, where he has worked, what his phone numbers are, what his past email addresses have been, potential people that he has been related to, any sort of criminal trouble that he may have been in. And all of these things are, it's legal. It's legal unless something changes. It's legal for now. And so what people can do is they go in and they find, well, I've got a vendetta against Randy King. I'm going to go find him. Oh, this is where he lives. So I'm just going to go sit outside his house for two hours and wait for him to step out. And and then you've got a problem. Right. So their goal is to simply buy legitimate data, put it on their servers to be searched by anybody Mm -hmm. who will pay them for it. And again, This is companies like a lot of states, DMVs, the Department of Motor Vehicles, actually sells data to data brokers as part of their budget. Like that's how they meet their budget is to sell money, is to sell our data, our driver's license information to these data brokers. And so, yeah, it is. And and again, it's legal. It's legal for now. Hopefully uh, somebody in Washington will get doxxed and hopefully a law will come up from this. It's dangerous because it can be used for bad purposes. You know, these data brokers will say, hey, you can't use this to go find Randy King and beat him up. But who's, you know, mm-hmm. anybody's going to check that box who really wants to find you. Right. So that's that's the goal of the data brokers. And they're getting legitimate information and they're selling it. And it's a mess because they're, it's not really well regulated. And that's the issue. Well, and there's an old saying, and I'm sure you've heard it, right? It takes human beings like 75 years to get used to a new technology. We're at like year 25 mm-hmm. or 30 of the internet. So we're still kind of learning the ins and outs. And they think this right. also is super important to understand that people say the internet's forever. It is forever. Unless that server farm is taken out, like it's forever. It's going to be there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So the fact they can find old email addresses and, you know, like they can go through old stuff and they can see a snapshot of a person that maybe you're not even anymore. Right. Right. So exactly. Let's see, let's see you go back to Randy. Luckily, most of my jerk years weren't recorded digitally, thankfully. Yes. But let's say you even go to like Randy's rants. I wasn't nearly as progressive as I am now. And mm-hmm. that could be used against you, right? It could be used as blackmail, it could be used as other things. So these data brokers, right. they're probably making a killing because information is king right now. But mm-hmm. I don't think most people even know they exist. Right. Yeah. And most people don't and, until there's some big problem with right. like a data breach or something like that. Nobody ever thinks about it. But what what happened here in the U.S. was during COVID, the CDC was actually bought 
data from data brokers and uh, cell phone companies and were tracking generally, supposedly tracking people's cell phones to make sure that they were adhering with quarantine. Right. And that's a huge story, but nobody's talking about it. And so the government can do this to us and it circumvents laws because they are just purchasing it. They are a client of the data brokers, so they can go out and do this sort of thing. Right. So you need to understand that when you go online, it's you, you have an audience. You might as well just go online and you're sitting in an amphitheater and there's 20 to 30 people there watching what's on your screen and what you're clicking on. And they're making, as you said, assumptions and deductions about it that may not necessarily be... Right you know, true. I feel like it's very invasive now. And I think it's going to become even more invasive in ways that I can't possibly imagine at this point about what it's going to be like. So as you're moving forward, just think about all the different things that you could do to try to keep your data offline and try to live a normal life as much as possible. Andy, how do you do that nowadays? I run a business from a smartphone. I travel, I teach all mm -hmm. over the place, humble brag, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm gone all the time. Like I'm in Europe right. for five weeks. Everything I do is run off the cloud. Everything I do is done. And my entire business is mostly built off of social media. It's built off of podcasts and pictures and communicating mm -hmm. with people and follow-ups. Living in the world we live in, what are some of the best ways for us to I know, stay as safe as possible in engaging online? The biggest things to understand and to do or to make sure that you understand the information that you're putting out there and then use tools that can help you get around that. You can use, instead of using Google, use DuckDuckGo because they don't track you. They don't do things like that. Man, when you log into Google, I use Google. I use like Google Suite and all that kind of stuff. What I type in there in like a Google Doc is also stuff that is harvested. So when you are thinking about those sort of things, pull that back, maybe type it into another program, maybe type it, go back to Microsoft Word if you have it, because that stuff's not being mined. By the way, Grammarly will also analyze what you're typing and what you're doing Jeez. so yeah yeah i know and that was because i was using it i was like oh i'm a terrible speller of course i'll use grammarly right but then of course they're looking at it because they're trying to you know check what i'm typing and make sure it's spelled correctly right. uh, yeah they're going to keep a, a log of what that is and what that's going to do so try to use uh companies that are focused on privacy like DuckDuckGo, firefox as a web browser again a vpn those sorts of things will keep you safe to a certain degree. What I would also consider doing, there are now things called digital credit cards okay. where you can make a transaction from a digital card that's just with you. It goes into your, your Apple wallet on your phone or Android, and you can use it like it's a regular credit card. I would also consider using Apple Pay as well because that masks your real account numbers. Really? So okay. if there's a data breach, yeah. So like when you use um, Apple Pay, you use it at the register, they get an Apple Pay number. That Apple Pay number goes to Apple, and then that number is associated with your actual credit card. So there's a middleman there. So that will keep your real credit card number safe because well, unless Apple has a data breach. Right. So, but you know that Apple is really focused on privacy. So that's a good thing. Any sort of little steps like that, that you can take to make sure that a, most of your data is kept offline, the better off you're going to be. If you don't have to create account for whatever service you're going to use, then don't create one. Or if you do make a throwaway email address, that is just going to be just right. used for simple sign-ons, for coupons, whatever that is. And so you kind of throw them a digital red herring so that they'll they'll chase one thing and not associate it with you. So those are just a couple of the things that you can do. I mean, you could actually go and try to live your life on the dark web simply for the privacy factor, but I wouldn't suggest doing that because right. I think law, well, one is scary stuff down there. It's the basement of the internet, but also I think there's more law enforcement on the dark web now than there are bad guys. So it's, <laughs> 
is kind of, uh, I don't know, I think it's kind of leveled out by now. So those are just a few of the things to keep in mind. Just try to keep your finances. Uh, we all have to use all, like digital check writing, all that kind of stuff there. Right. But whatever you can use, PayPal or you can use Apple Pay, use those services instead of directly typing in your card to that. Because I got dinged in a Target data breach and Home Depot. Well, right. They got hundreds of thousands of users got their stuff stolen. Not my fault. Right. Not my fault at all. It was it was somebody else's. So those are the kinds of things that even if you go to Target and you swipe your card, it's still not necessarily going to be safe a safe digital transaction. Right, which is just wild. I want to just pump the tires of DuckDuckGo a little bit more. I actually sure. use DuckDuckGo for yep. research purposes because DuckDuckGo yes. puts you less in a bubble of trending things because they don't track you. Mm -hmm. They actually show you the results purely and not what yes. Google thinks. Because again, the right. purpose of these apps is for you to use them. So if you enjoy them, they're going to put you in these social media bubbles. And if anybody knows anything about me, I like to look into mm -hmm. things. I have found way more opposing points and different viewpoints on DuckDuckGo within the first couple of pages that I ever found on Google. Mm -hmm. So for example, I didn't know the Proud Boys were. I had no idea who they were. Yeah. So I'm like, I want to look up the Proud Boys. I want to learn who these people are. Three mm -hmm. Google searches, they wouldn't even show me the Proud Boys website. Only yep. like anti-Proud Boys stuff. And again, I'm not pro-Proud Boys, everybody. Just listening. Right, yes. Calm down. But I wanted to yes. understand them. And I just wanted to go to their website, go to the source. One mm -hmm. search on DuckDuckGo, I got it. But I even typed into Google, what is the Proud Boys website? And it wouldn't show it to me, which is insane saying to me when I'm trying to learn mm -hmm. about something. What Google does is they profile you. Yes. And that's a, you know, a word that people don't like to, to see. So like you'll be profiled. Are you uh, conservative? Are you liberal? Are you mm -hmm. far left, far right? And I hate to say, man, if you went to the Proud Boys website, you probably got tracked by the government too. I mean, of course, thousands of people are going to their, their site. It's just if you pop there and then you pop somewhere else, you might get a phone call. I don't know. Or somebody comes and knocks on your door. But yeah, I mean, you're getting profiled and you need to understand that Google and the news, they profit from your use of their services. So they're yeah. going to give you things that they think you're going to, that this is going to benefit you so that you'll come back and spend more time and money with them. Well, exactly. Honestly, I can't even imagine the lists I'm on from my traveling <laughs> to the stuff I've looked up. I'm surprised I haven't got a phone call. They must be like, oh, we looked at the whole thing. Mm -hmm. and we understand. I, I go to some weird sites. So on that note, dark web, <laughs> you, you mentioned it. Yeah. You mentioned the dark yeah. web. Again, mm -hmm. the point of this show, we're trying to break the echo chamber of self-defense. I'm trying to right. talk to not just self-defense experts, not that you're not, but I'm trying to talk to people of understanding of other areas. So this mm -hmm. show is a show for entry-level people trying to figure out self-defense. They may not know what the dark web is. They may not know how to get to it. Not that I want you to give them like how-to guide, right. but can mm -hmm. you explain where the dark web is and how people access and what it's for? Sure. I actually have done a guide on the dark web for parents. If you go to oh. securedad.com and click on tools, it's one of those that's there for you for free. Awesome. Um, and so what it does is it breaks down for parents exactly what this is. If you type in darkweb.com, you're not going to the dark web. That's <laughs> not not how it works. Yeah, I know. You actually have to use a special kind of browser called Tor, and it stands for the Onion Router, T-O-R. I don't know why they changed it, but they did. So you have to download that particular software to be able to access a network. And that's really what it is. It's its own internet network. And uh, when you go to the site, it's not like, you know, everything's on fire and there's scary music. It's you know, it's not like you're, <laughs> you're logging into hell or anything like that. There are different sites down there that do good, and there are some that do bad. So one of 
one of the good things that you could go to the dark web for is if like you are in communist China and you were trying to find out news from the rest of the world because China, the government of China really monitors what goes in and out of their country. So does like North Korea. So you could be a journalist in one of those types of countries and access the New York Times because the New York Times actually has a dark web page that's there for people. Yeah, the government will use the dark web to communicate between confidential informants and spies and things like that. That's all down there too. So there is some good going on in the dark web. Just because you go there doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad guy, that you're doing bad things. However, if your computer is somehow taken by the government, uh, the police, and they look at it and are like, hey man, what you doing with Tor on your computer? Why don't you tell me about that? I've never been there. And then that's a, that's a conversation you really don't want to be having with somebody who has a badge. So the bad side of the dark web is you can buy pretty much anything that you want down there. You can buy drugs, you can buy people, you can buy body parts, you can buy all sorts of stuff that's there. You can view all sorts of videos that are terrible. And it's just the worst of humanity can exist right. and operate down there. And that's that's another point I wanted to bring up with you. you. You've studied people for a long time. The stuff that we're talking about here online has existed in humanity from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Child exploitation has been something that's been around forever. And a lot of people think that only exists online. It doesn't. It's been in the real world long before it was online, but it's just coming to light now because of how people are being tracked and how people are being prosecuted for the crimes that they commit online, thankfully. So when we talk about all this bad stuff that's online, it's nothing new to humanity. It's just in a different form. It's just in a digital form. Interesting. I think that's really important to point out, right? Because we live in an age right now where we can catalog things at such a level that we haven't been able to before and we can get mm-hmm. real-time information, real-time updates. I always tell this story. I'm glad my mom doesn't listen to a lot of these podcasts. But the first time <laughs> the first time my mom got the internet, she like called mm-hmm. me and she's like, Randy, the world is ending. I'm like, what? What now? She's like, well, there was a whirlpool and a mudslide and a blah because she was getting data in real time from all around mm-hmm. the planet. So it looked very like end of the Bible to her, right? Like it looked right, real bad. sure. And so I was like, no, no, this stuff has been maybe it might be higher. I don't know, but it's always been happening. It's just you hear about it now immediately. So it mm-hmm. creates this like way higher level of panic. And just the cataloging of it doesn't mean it didn't exist. It just means right. now you can see it in a much larger list and you can get samples of data now that were almost inconceivable 30 years yes ago, right without it, like yes. being a scientist or conducting a study like you can go in a, a search and find just swaths of info so quickly what would you say the purpose of the dark web is is it this open forum trading is it for is it multi-purpose what would be the benefit of being on there is it harder to track people who are on there yeah so that's an interesting question nobody's ever asked me to like quantify what the dark web actually is I think it's, yeah, I know. Thanks, Randy. You know, um, I would say it's probably now about 60, 40 bad, meaning that you can go down there and you can get illicit materials. You can buy contraband and it's very, it's really hard to track sometimes because what will happen, how law enforcement gets people is that there are things that you can post in the dark web that just because you post it there in the dark web doesn't mean that all the metadata and all that sort of stuff disappears. So you can be tracked other ways. It really does does mean that you can be anonymous there, but you cannot do everything anonymously, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So you can you can be on you know this particular router and you know using all the special software to encrypt who you are. But if you post a picture of you know your front door or what your house looks like, well then right. people will search for it and find you. So those are the types of things that you that you'll see 
law enforcement doing is trying to get as much information as they can from somebody mm -hmm. to try to find them outside of the dark web and then tie that activity back to them to stop whatever it is that they're doing. Interesting. So we have a couple of minutes mm -hmm. left. Let's just lightly touch on another, could be a whole other topic, which is open source information gathering. And you already yeah. kind of touched on here with maybe there's a picture mm -hmm. of your house online. Any tips on that? Sure. So a lot of open source intelligence does fall back on data brokers. And what open source intelligence is, is basically basically a Google search about anything you want to do. We've been talking about it this whole time. Right. So, you know, if I wanted to find Randy King, I would type in this, maybe I would pay a site to get his information, that sort of thing. But what open source really means is that people can find out your secrets. People can find out where you used to be, opinions that you used to have, hobbies that you used to have that you don't have anymore, things like that. And while people, we live in the here and now, the thought of our past and the thought of our privacy being seen by somebody else is just something that's very uncomfortable. So when you're looking at open source intelligence or open source information, you need to understand that, okay, so let's say you have a neighbor that moves in and you say his name is, you know, John Smith. Okay, well, you go searching for John Smith and you find out all this cool information about where he used to work, you got what his car looks like, all that. Well, somebody can do that exact same thing to you. And so what's popular now is Zillow. Whenever, a, you know, a house goes yeah. on the market, it goes on Zillow. And it used to be that you had to be a realtor to see the kind of stuff that's in there, but Zillow has brought it all out for free. You don't have to have an account. And so somebody can look up your house Right. Somebody can see the, your floor pan. Somebody can see what locks are on your door. Somebody can see all this sort of information and they could make a plan to rob your home. So while, yeah, you want to understand who your neighbors are, your neighbors can also understand who you are. That is awesome. Let us wrap the show up there. Myself and Rory Miller are doing Europe. We're doing, I don't know, six countries now, 12 dates. So come check it out. All the stuff's on my social media at Randy King Live or at Defense Talks with Dad. Andy, why don't you show the people where they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. You can find everything about me at thesecuredad.com. I am fortunate enough to have the handle thesecuredad on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So this is where you can find me. You can go to my website and get free tools to help your family live a safer, happier life. Just go to thesecuredad.com and click on tools up at the top, and it'll take you to all sorts of free resources that you can use. That is so awesome. I love that you're providing free resources. All right. Last but not least, we're going to jump over to the one-up. So the one-up is an extra piece of content or story that my guest is going to tell that makes him the coolest person at the table, right? Everybody has that one story they throw out like, oh, you think you did this. I got one that'll beat everybody. So that's the point of the story usually does with self-defense or violence. Totally depends though. We had the last episode where dude throw down academically at a course and was like, don't call it fight or flight and then told that story. So we don't know. I don't know what Andy has prepped for us, but if you want to join us, patreon.com slash Randy King live as always. Always appreciate support on continuing learning is on my Patreon. I just want to be clear. People are asking if my online courses are there. They're not. They're on Teachable. If you want to go there, feel free to check that out continuing education is on my Patreon. So where predators hide, my series is there. Updates on the courses, new research stuff, vlogs, all that stuff. It's just a cornucopia. If you like listening to this face talk, that's the spot for you. So feel free to join. And Andy, thank you again so much for your time. Don't forget, check out the Secure Dad. I'm on there, I think once or twice. So you can check out my episodes and then follow other ones. There's a lot of cool people and I'll be back on there for the book stuff. So thanks again, Andy. And we'll talk to everybody next week.